Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rays pitcher Blake Snell gets his reward for the Cy Young and then some, signing a five-year, $50 million contract that keeps him in control of the team through 2023. The Tampa Bay Lightning, meanwhile, they stay hot. They rally from a 3-2 deficit, and they beat Carolina going away, winning 6-3, the 300th win for Coach John Cooper and only the second coach to do it in 500 games. We've got all that and some Bucks talk as well. With Tom Jones, the former columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. If you've got a new business or just one that you currently own and you'd like to be a sponsor of this podcast, we'd love to have you. Our advertisers are seeing great success, and you will too. Now, we've got lots of different ways that you can uh, be a sponsor, so here's what you do. For information, contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can contact me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd love to have you be part of our team. All right, Steve, before we get to Tom, uh, you know, we had talked about it on this podcast. John Romano's written columns about it, how Blake Snell had essentially only gotten a $15,000 raise, really $5,000 when you consider the, the increase that he naturally would have gotten. And all that changed in a matter of days, I guess about four or five days ago, the raise and approach Blake, and he gets his reward for the Cy Young, as I mentioned, but he signs a five-year, $50 million extension, and as I mentioned, he's now in control really just one more year through 2023. But this is a smart deal for the Rays. It protects Blake Snell, obviously, from any kind of injury, so that's the risk that the Rays would have. Um, but overall, I, I just think it's uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. They've done this before, and they protect what is a real big asset for him. So the Rays are not a horrible team now. Is that what we're saying? They're they're not <laughs> well, they're not evil. They're not they're not bad for sticking to their salary structure. I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. Well, you're clear on it, but I mean, look, I, I, <laughs> I, we, I, I we, can't. What we we know I know, but we know we know they took some heat, and and are we to think that that didn't affect us at all? I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe that you know this is the business as usual for the Rays. We've seen them do this with their star players again and again. We just saw it, um, you know, as a matter of fact, with uh, with Brandon Lau, but. Um, you know, when it comes to Blake Snell, I think there were some bad feelings. There were some bad things said by the union, um, by Blake, obviously. He, he kind of tried to move forward. But I, as, I, as I read these stories, I believe it was the Rays um, that went back to him mm-hmm. um, and, and with this idea and approached his agent, and they were able to come to an agreement. And look, I mean, $99.5 million uh, potentially, is what the Rays have committed in the last few days to Blake Snell and Brandon Lau. So that's that's a lot of money. And as John Romano writes, you know, but it's it's smart money. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's locking up, um, you know, uh, real assets. And and don't don't assume that just because you know these guys are signed, and particularly in the case of Snell, that he'll be here through 2023. I mean, what this enables them to do, as they've done with so many other players. Is is trade these guys for many, many, many more players and prospects over the years, like they have done. Um, so you know, I, as far as 
you know, people feeling like, well, that's good. Snell will be here. No, not necessarily, but it certainly makes him feel better. It makes the Rays feel better because if he continues to pitch anywhere close to the level that he's at now, they will have a relative bargain on their hands. And so will the team that trades for him at least for a year or two if they if they decide to do that before his five years are up. Yeah, it gives the Rays a lot of cost certainty going forward, especially with mm-hmm. a pitcher who, look, in his second year of MLB service time wins the Cy Young Award. If he matches that season this year, who knows what his number in arbitration would be next year and then let alone the two years after that. So it gives you a lot of cost certainty. It gives Blake Snell $50 million guaranteed money in his career, and he'll still be you know, only missing one year of free agency with this deal. So he'll still be able to sign, a, you know, assuming that he continues on the upward trajectory, a big contract in 2024. So it, it, it's a good deal for both sides. It's, you know, whether the public pressure of the stories that came out caused the race to do this or if this was their plan all along, no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it was their negotiating tactic or maybe they just saw the optics and, and how the fans really liked Blake Snell and, and wanted to keep him. And so they decided to do this. Don't know. Don't know if we'll ever know that answer, why they did, but I think it was a smart move on their part. I imagine they, they had had some discussion about it, maybe, um, or, or planned on having it no matter what, because this is what they do. I mean, you go way back to 08 with Scott Kazmir uh, when he did a three-year deal with, with an option season, and he was traded as he, as he's, you know, he started to, to pitch poorly. James Shields, um, a four-year deal with three option seasons. He almost fulfilled all of that. They did it with Matt Moore for five years with three option years, Chris Archer, six years. Um, both of those guys were traded for a lot of prospects, many of which will be playing, you know, for the race this year, one as a starter. And, you know, Austin Meadows is, is another guy that could, could play in the outfield, a young player that they got for Archer. And Evan Longoria, you know, he, he signed the biggest contract, six years, $100 million. Um, but, you know, very shortly after he was signed, he just played one season under that new deal. And, of course, was traded with the bulk of it still remaining. So, you know, they, they find a way. It, it is their business as usual. This is what the Rays do. Um, maybe the optics were bad. Maybe the timing was bad because um, it was procedural that, that Blake would get, you know, somewhat of a raise. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, I mean, it's, it's always good when, you know, you have a guy that doesn't have to worry now. I mean, I think, you know, injuries being what they are, especially for pitchers, for him to know that, you know, no matter what happens, he's going to go out there and get his $50 million. He gets his big deal behind him. And, you know, it won't be that long before we're into the 2023 season, no matter where when he, where he winds up. And then he'll be looking at even more money if he's still pitching well. So, yeah, this is just smart by the Rays. And uh, there is some risk, but I think it's, it's a very calculated risk. No, there's risk on both parts, too. I mean, if Blake, you know, wins sure. two more Cy Youngs in the next four years – He's oh, probably he'd be leaving money on the million. table. I mean, you know, absolutely. But, but you know, if if he struggles or has an injury or something like that, then you know he's got some some guarantees, and the Rays have cost certainty going forward on their number one player. Yeah, it sure sure is a good feeling, and I think that's the big thing too. And you send the signal to other players in the organization and on this team that you know if you're going to be one of their core guys, they're going to try to protect again protect their assets. And and we've seen how how the trades have produced many, many, many other players that are now either in the minors or coming up and being the core of their team now. So just smart by the Rays, the business as usual for them, uh, and that's one of the reasons why they've been able to compete at a high level um, and they continue to do so against teams that outspend them in the American League East. So meanwhile, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, man, I, I tell you what, it is so 
fascinating to watch these guys. I mean, they're on a back-to-back. We know how physical and the intensity of that Washington game was the other night. And they have to travel to Carolina, um, which isn't a far trip as 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 the plane flies, but still, it's a, it's, it's actually a, a harder trip than you think. And, and the reason being is where the Washington Arena is, mm-hmm. you cannot fly charters out of Reagan National, ah. so you have to go to Dulles. So it's actually quite a, a haul to get just to the airport. Yeah. Uh, so when you're going on a back to back, now the flight itself isn't very long, but the logistics sure. of leaving Washington gets trickier because of being around the nation's capital. Absolutely. So Louis Domingue in net, and they fall behind uh, three to two. And going into the third period, no problem. <laughs> this team, I'm telling you, man, they they just know they know when and how to win. And um, you know, I think that uh, you had Stamkos with a goal, a beautiful assist to Braden Point. Uh, they had an empty netter late. It, it was uh, well, even Ryan Callahan tenseful. on his 34th birthday, who hasn't played in how many games? He gets a goal on a how beautiful tip from Hedman. Okay, the, the one negative from the game is that uh, Yanni Gord got a match penalty, which carries an automatic suspension, depending on the review of the league, um, and it could be ruled on as early as this morning. When he caught Eric Stahl sort of from behind in the head a little bit, um, Callahan had tangled with him, and um, you know Gord kind of went in front and got him more or less in the, in, in the face and the head area, so... We'll see if that's going to, you know, cost Gord a game uh, or or more. I suppose. I but. think it will, based on the fact he lowered his shoulder into it. I know he was going, yeah. you know, just trying to make a hit on him. But as you see, he's vulnerable and falling like that. You can't lower your shoulder and hit him like that. So. Exactly, exactly. So he could be looking at looking at some time as well. They go on to play uh, in St. Louis, their next uh, next stop on this road trip. But, yeah, man, the winning just continues. Now they have to win, uh, what is it, four out of seven? Four out of seven to tie. Hey, there's only three teams in NHL history that have won more games than the Lightning this season. They've won 58. There's only three teams that have done it. Just incredible. It's the the, the the Red Wings from 95-96, the 76-77 Canadians, and the 77-78 Canadians. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, they, they've had such a sensational season, so we'll see if the beat goes on. And They're one of only 10 teams all time in the NHL to record 120 points in a season and only the fourth to do it in the salary cap era, which is since 05-06. And they've got seven games to go. They could get 14 more points. Possible. They're sitting at 120 right now? Is Correct. That right? Yes, through 75 games. I think the team's going to score more than uh, Kucherov, as it turns out. Some more numbers for you. They're only the second team in NHL history to post four separate winning streaks of seven games or more in a single season. Only the 83-84 Edmonton Oilers have done that. I'm out of superlatives. And as you mentioned in the open, John Cooper gets his 300th win in just 500 games. It's an incredible season. I, I don't know what else to say, man. I'm, I don't know what to say. I'm like I'm out of I'm out of breath. I can't just say wow. Um, it's almost like we could just replay the same the same conversation we have after every game. On I this know. Podcast. It's like they're it's unbelievable. I mean, I can't believe what they're doing. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Victor Hedman played 27 minutes almost. That's not a good thing. No, you're gearing up for the playoffs. You gotta you know make sure you're in shape for that. Some conditioning, yeah. yeah. There you go. But, yeah, this team just uh, keeps rolling. You said St. Louis coming up Saturday, and then they're home next week for two against Boston and Washington. Then they got four straight on the road to end the season as the women's Final Four is at Amelie Arena, which is why they end the season on the road like that. So, 
I think I have the answer to why they're being so successful. All right, Tom Jones joins us now for our segment of Pointer Counterpointer. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, from the Pointer Institute, Tom Jones, former columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. And uh, Tom, we, I got to tell you, you're still popular on this podcast and in general. We had a uh, listener, we do these mailbags, you know, and there was right. one left over that we saved for you. Jim asked us, is it a coincidence or not that the Bolts have a record-breaking year now that Tom Jones is no longer covering them? Uh, yeah, okay, there we go. It's all me. It's all, it was all my fault. <laughs> hey, I got, I'll say this. Okay, just to be clear, and I'll, I'll really roll up the Lightning fans with this. They had plenty of good regular seasons when I covered them. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the playoffs that didn't work out so well. So <laughs> we're not even at the playoffs yet. So how about wait until they actually win the cup before blaming me? For Boston and all the other wicked teams that give them a hard time, I I'm just saying, you know, they I I've, I've covered plenty of good regular seasons. It's uh, it's the not, not quite this good though. No, no one's covered hardly this good. I man, I watched that game. Okay, the game Wednesday night against the Capitals oh. was. I, I now I watched it was one of those things like I watched it in a bar, so I didn't I couldn't hear it. So right. I don't know what that was being said on the broadcast. And at one point, I was thinking, I was, I was actually sitting with uh, our former colleague, Joe Smith. And I said, boy, it seems like Washington has a lot of shots on goal, huh? And he looked up, he goes, yeah, they got 50. And there were still like eight <laughs> minutes left in the game. And I'm like, this has got to be some sort of record. It turned out it was. But, um, but even still, like I never had this, this sense like the lighting was getting dominated. I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how the broadcast made it sound. But, boy, I thought this was a just a terrific game. I I did say I thought it was you know I'm looking at these two teams meeting in the playoffs but wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something if this was the year that somebody like the Bruins bit the Lightning I mean do you ever do you get the sense at all like is it going so well that you're like uh this has a bad vibe to it going I think to the everybody's playoffs, or, I think everybody's nervous if you're a Lightning fan just because the the history of the Presidents Cup and you know teams yeah. not winning the Stanley Cup after that the fact that you know they had it in their hands you know uh, with a 3-2 lead in game six and lost game six and seven last year without scoring a goal. I mean, all of that kind of, you know, it, it's it's not the elephant in the room. I mean, everybody knows the damn elephant is in the room. Right. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, but you can't do anything about it until you get there. And the fact of the matter is, is that even if, even almost without thinking about it, I mean, they, they have won 18 out of 20 games. Think about that. That's, that's an incredible run at any point in any season. Yeah. And all they have to do, I think, Steve, you can correct me. I think they have to go five and three to tie the most wins. Yeah, five and three, six any, and two would uh, set the record. Would right. set an and NHL we're taping, record. We're, yeah, we're taping this uh, before right. the Carolina game. So. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah, they. Here, here's a couple things that that I that I thought of when I was thinking about this because we we were talking about this again last night too about what they have to go. First off, boy, oh boy, how good was Detroit that year? You know, Whoa. they must have been incredible because look at the just think about how great the lightning's been this year and they still may not catch that record. I, I feel that way a lot about like whenever somebody's getting ready to break, break a big record, like a few years ago when Tiger was at 14 majors. Yeah. And you're thinking like, boy, well, I, I don't remember. Yeah. And I but I, I, I sort of remember the tail end of Nicholas. I don't really remember Nicholas, you know, back sure. in the late 60s, early 70s. But boy, how dominant must have Nicholas have been? You know, incredibly, have, yeah, yeah, to have won eighteen majors and, and be runner up like a bazillion times. Um, but the other thing with the Lightning is uh, the thing that I think is encouraging about this. As remember, compared to last year, everybody gave me a hard time. I picked the Bruins to beat them in the playoffs because I thought the Bruins 
during the regular season. I know regular season is not the be all end all, but the Lightning weren't even competitive a lot of games with Boston uh, in the in the two or three previous years before meeting them in last year's playoffs. The thing that's encouraging about this and the Washington games that they played the last uh, week and a half here is that the Lightning is actually. Like for example, Wednesday night's game. That game meant a whole lot to Washington. They're fighting to finish first in their division. That game meant nothing. It was meaningless ultimately for the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's nothing to be gained at this point other than maybe the record, which they claim they're not going after. And I half believe it. Um, and so, I think it's encouraging if you're a Lightning fan to see how they've played against the Capitals. The other thing is, and I, I think if you watch these two teams closely, the thing you have to be worried about or most concerned about is, boy, physically they can run you over the Capitals. The Lightning, I think, have, in these two games have set out to prove like we can withstand the physical game with the Washington Capitals. And that, I think it was important last night that Yanni Gord, you know, Yanni Gord had won a fight and Paquette didn't back down and uh, Chernak goes out of his way to, to make life rough on Tom Wilson. He's challenging Tom Wilson. So... Uh, if you're the Lightning, I, I, I do think these regular season games have meant something that they, that shows they're a little bit of a different team than they were last year when they played in the playoffs. Yeah, it didn't mean anything in the standings, Tom. But I mean, you know this. I mean, it, uh, this was this was their nemesis. This was the the hump they couldn't get over. And even though it's a regular season, don't you want to Im- make them feel you make impose, you know, impose their will? I mean, it, it's as simple as you know that was a four three game on Wednesday, and uh, and I was there. Um, or Saturday, I'm sorry, last week, last weekend. Right. And, you know, they could have won 4-3. They got an empty netter. But a couple even, empty netters, right? Yeah. yeah, but even the last empty netter, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, and take that home with you as well. Yeah, You know right. what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah, there was yeah, a little yeah. bit of, you know what, 5-3, the game's over, the clock's going to run out, no one's even getting back on the ice, and it's like, oh, yeah, and, and, and take that with you too. Right. You know, it was, there was a little bit of, I mean, there's, there was a, there's salt in this rivalry in this, and, and it is a rivalry and that's how rivalries are born through the postseason as much as anything else. Um, so they, and I totally agree with you. I think that Chernak and some of those guys and Gordon and others have stood up the physicality of, you know, what is a, a really tough Washington team. They're really good. I, and you're right. Maybe Boston takes them down. I don't know if they would play Pittsburgh at any point, but um, to me, Washington is the best other team that they have to – it would not surprise me, and I don't know how the brackets are going to fall ultimately. Right. Yeah, but yeah. if they were to play Washington in the finals, if it gets that way. Um, I mean, it looks like the way it's going to work out, if it goes sort of <clears throat> the way that we think it's going to go, they would play either Columbus, they right. could play Pittsburgh in the first round, Columbus, Montreal still available, Carolina would be – I think they're better than all those teams. I don't think they really have to uh, – you know, Pittsburgh – they have the championship pedigree, so you have to be a little concerned with that. And they've and, had some brawls with them too. Yeah, yeah, and those, yeah, they're, they're, those have been some really good games. But I think, I think the Lightning's goaltending is way better than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's just, I think they're out of gas. I think their their run is over. It's that's the way it appears to me. So I think the Lightning wins the first round series, and then so you play either uh, Toronto or Boston. It would be in the second round, and I would assume. You know, I think they're way better than Toronto. Boston could give them trouble, but I, th- I think they're better than Boston. And then you're looking at Washington probably in the uh, in the final or in the conference final. You know, when you watch them, what what makes them special this year? I mean, who's that? Is, the Lightning. The, the Lightning. Yeah. I I just think they're so deep. You know, I think it's you know you look at Boston. They rely on one big line, uh, and and clearly Kucherov and. And Stamkos are having special seasons. I, I I do think that's a big part of it is that 
like Stamkos has turned out to be have a way better season than I thought he would have. I I'll be the first to admit I thought Stamkos was at the beginning of the end. I yeah. thought we were going to start seeing the big slide that yeah. he was a guy that wasn't going to score. I think I told some people around the Lightning I put his over under on goals at twenty two. Mm. Uh, he blew pot. You know he was he was at that by little after the Christmas. Um, how much does let me ask you this? How much does goals? having a superstar and I think he is a superstar because I think he's going to be the MVP. But how how much does having a guy like Kucherov and now Braden Point to kind of take that responsibility off of Stamkos in a sense, in that he's not the only guy that people have to stop on on that. Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think that has a lot to do with it. Although I don't think Stamkos has ever shied away from being the man. You know, from no, he hasn't. That guy certainly hasn't. But now he's got people who could set him up for a change. Right, right. I think that's been that's been critical. But here's the thing: you could go through whole nights where even if you shut down Stamkos and Kucherov, which Nobody's shutting down Kucherov this year. I saw a great question about three weeks ago. And and three weeks ago is even a better question than it is now. Who's going to end up with more points, Kucherov or the Lightning? Or the Lightning, yeah. And it's like, like that's a when you're talking about one of the historically great teams in NHL history in the Lightning, and somebody might beat you know, them in terms of points as an individual, like Kucherov has a chance. It shows you that they're both having an incredible season. But, yeah, I think that has a little bit to do with it. I also think, though, even though if you do shut those guys down, you have the Braden points line. And then some night, and then Tyler Johnson gets hot. You know, they played Washington last week. Alex Kalorn, who's had, you know, just a, a typical Alex Kalorn season. That was He's, crazy, man. Yeah, you know, he, he gets a hat trick. And there are. You know, there was a couple. There was a few games a while ago where, like, Cedric Paquette, you know, carried him for a game or two, and then the defensemen are terrific. I, I, I do think that uh, the key now for the rest of the year is, is just staying healthy. And there's nothing you can do to stay healthy. You just you, you either get the luck or you don't. But I mean, I think the Dan Girardi injury is a little. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not a big. It's not a huge deal, but he played really well against the Capitals last year. He's a guy that I think they, they could miss if he doesn't come back. And him being out indefinitely now is all of a sudden kind of strange. Um, but I don't know. I tell you, you ask what's special about this team, and it's just everything. Like, they're they're so deep. Every line's good. I mean, you got guys like – I was talking about this last night as well. Ryan Callahan's like the third highest paid player on this team. He's their 13th best forward. Can't get on the ice. Can't get on the ice, you know, because you got guys like Anthony Sorelli and Adam Ernie. And Matthew Joseph, these kids are coming up and making huge contributions. Matthew Joseph had, a, you know, I thought a strong game last night. So it was, um, I don't know, they just everywhere you look, their defense is really good. McDonough, Hedman, I mean, those guys are elite players. Uh, you know, they're winning these games. Oh, Anton Stroman's not even playing. Dan Girardi's not even playing. So, you know, they're, they're calling guys up. Chernak wasn't even supposed to be here. Uh, and he's turned out to be a really pivotal part. So I don't know. I, you asked me what's special about him. Everything's special about him. I, I don't know what the difference is other than they're just way better and way deeper than they've ever been. When they're this close to the record, they, how can they not pay attention to it, right? I'm sure they would like to get that um, for historical purposes. But would John Cooper be better served to just saying, you know what, we're giving guys whole days off? I mean, I would. That's the way I would look at it. If my ultimate goal on, and, every, and their goal should be to win the Cup, I, I don't. is there a reason to play? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Play Nikita Kucherov, but in, in, in all the last eight games, do you need to play Steven Stamkos every night? Does Victor Hedman have to play every night? Should you really start looking at Vasilevsky and whether to – Right. Sort of start splitting the games now and go just, you know, mm-hmm. four and four with him and Deming. I don't know. I I get the sense though, Rick, they're going they're they're going to go after the record. I mean, I, feels that way. It does. And and I know a couple of years ago when Golden State was really going after it and trying to get the seventy three wins. That I mean, there's a part of you that says it would be cool to to set a record to, to establish yourself as one of the all-time great teams that there's a champion every year, right? In hockey, there's been a, whatever, a hundred Stanley cup champions, but only there's only been one uh, Montreal Canadians that, you know, from 76, 77 or whatever the year was, they broke the record um, or set the record. Um, but the difference between that golden state team a couple of years ago and, and the lightning now is I think golden state had already won an NBA title. You know, mm-hmm. so they already had that. The Lightning's never had; they've never won an NBA title, so or an NHL, and they won't. Yeah, oh no. NHL, yeah, yeah, never won a Stanley Cup, and so I don't know. I what do you do? I think he's. I mean, I, I I have nothing at stake here. I'd like to see him go for the record. I think it'd be really cool if you could establish yourself as the greatest team of mm-hmm. all time. But, but then you could be the greatest team of all time without a cup, right? And then what happens? You know, I mean. Well, I, it, it's, I, I'm telling you, here we go. Everybody's um, going to say, okay, Debbie Dyer, let's talk about them not winning the cup. But well, boy. but you know what? From the mouth of babes, and I've told this story before, but my, my nine-year-old is in church. We go to church with somebody whose wife is is there, and, and their husband is a member of the organization, let's say, <laughs> um, without giving away any identities. And and she said, wow, I was at the game last night. It was Saturday night's game. He was watching, and it was so exciting. It's unbelievable. But you know what? If they don't win the Stanley Cup, John Cooper's getting fired. And I was like, what? Where'd that come from? What do you I, think? I, uh, I mean, I think. They haven't signed him to a contract extension. They haven't, I and I know there was Where's talk. Where's the press conference? Yeah, there was a talk last night. I guess Bob McKenzie from, on, on uh, NBCSN was talking about, you know, if they were to get eliminated in the first round, that his, his negotiating power would go down. And if they were to win the cup, obviously his negotiating power would go way up. But there was never a talk about. You know, he wouldn't be back. The way I always look at it, Rick, is that uh, two sort of two things. One, if if you were to fire a guy, and I looked, I felt this way about the NFL, and uh, if you were to fire a guy, how quickly would he get a job somewhere else? You know, I, that that how, do other people value him? Yeah. And you and oh, I've talked about do. this, Rick, yeah. that that the Bucks have fired coaches in the past who've never worked again in the in the NFL as head coaches, right? Like that's right. Dirk Cutter's not a head coach. Lovey Smith will never be another head coach. Last stop on the train, man. Right. Right, yeah. So, um, here in Detroit, those are—I don't believe in Detroit a head coach has ever gotten another job ever. Right, as in right. Ever. I mean, I mean, obviously Gruden has, and Tony Dungy, right, and right, maybe but, Raheem, Raheem will be a head coach. Yeah, I mean, guys so. have survived the, the getting right. fired here, but no but. one's ever gone straight from being fired from the Bucks to the very next year being a head coach somewhere else. I think John Cooper, other than Tony Dungy, and, oh yeah, and, Tony Dungy, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, John I think went that, to the booth. He could have, but right. I do think that. Uh, I do think that if Cooper got got fired he'd have a job like within 10 seconds you know of course the other thing is too is he still if you look at this team uh, he's still clearly reaching them and he still clearly um has the pulse of the team i think he's been masterful this year with how he's handled this team 
Um, in what I, respect? In in that I think it would be staying out of the way. Still, like staying out of the way, but also I think he's managed their time well. They never they've never looked tired at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, they've. Uh, he's managed to work. He does. He's done a really good job of, I think, making everybody feel important. Like everybody feels they're a part of this. Um, he's inserted. He plays kids. Um, I think there were. You know, you you watch at the end of games. I mean, he's putting players like like a guy like Chernak is out there in the last minute of games. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think he's showing trust in these players. Kucherov is a guy that has never been great defensively. He was on the ice the other night with. And I and this was a I think a prime example. You mentioned the Washington game and you mentioned the empty net goal. I think that showed so much when Kucherov busted his rear end that night to to stave off the icing and set up Alex Kalorn's uh, empty net goal. That was a perfect example of showing hunger. That boy, I mean this was, that game didn't mean it wasn't going to decide whether they made the playoffs or not. Just, you know, everybody knew they were going to win the president's trophy and there's your best player still going out playing as hard as he can. So I think yeah. clearly, clearly he's motivated them, you know, but I don't know, Rick, it's a good guy. I don't he think may it's not a win, crazy he may not win coach of the year. You know what happens with this, with the whole coach of the year thing. I mean, Belichick should win it every year, right? But sometimes they think, well, you got all that talent. Why, you know, you give it to the team that was a surprise, not the one that everyone expected to be good. I mean, and and we go back to I think the great comparison here as of now is Cooper has been Tony Dungy. I don't think yeah. anybody denies that Tony Dungy, yep. even when he even before he went to Indianapolis and won the Super Bowl, no one denied Tony Dungy. You know, was a great coach. He was an obviously a great coach. You were there, Rick. They this team, this organization was a joke. It was awful, and he pulled them out of the darkness and you know and made them a a contender and a team that ultimately did win a Super Bowl. But I mean. There was a clearly, I don't know, Rick, we go back and go talk about this over and over again. Would they have ever won a Super Bowl with Tony Dungy as their coach? Hard I mean, to know. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a question that you can't answer, but I will say that, that John Gruden was the perfect guy at the perfect time um, to sort of even the playing field and, and the accountability. I mean, Tony thought, you know, if you score three, you should win three nothing. Um <laughs> He didn't have the same sort of – I mean, he wanted to score. It wasn't like when he went to Indianapolis, he told Peyton Manning not to throw the ball. Um, so, you know, it was – he couldn't get the right offensive coordinator, um, you know, and and really, you know, Brad Johnson was here, but they just they just couldn't get it going. But, you know, even with John Gruden, I mean, that was a defensive Super Bowl. That was a – that defense took them there. If you go back and watch the season, they weren't very good on offense until they got in the playoffs. Once they got in the playoffs and they played San Francisco and tuned them, and then we know what happened in Philly. Yeah. Um, then they were then then everything fell into place. The play the Oakland Raiders, you know, a team yeah, that right, John had right. just left and knew intimately with that defense. Um, they scored, you know, they scored three touchdowns on defense for gosh sake. So I'm not, you know, that's how elite the defense was. But Gruden Gruden did challenge him. But you're right, the parallels are there. Maybe you need that guy to get you over the hump. And how many times do you go? to a you know Eastern Conference final or a Stanley Cup uh, final and not win it before right. people start looking and saying, well, you know, the talent is here. We need something extra. Let's fire the coach. <laughs> yeah, well, that, and that's, yeah, and unfortunately that's the way it happens. And I, and yeah. look, I'm a fan of, neither one of us is calling for John Cooper to get fired. I'm a huge fan of Cooper's. I think he's a tremendous coach and I would keep him for as long I'd as I'd lock him up. Yeah. I mean, I know they got a guy in the minors they really like. That's yeah, the, right. the decision. But, but here's the thing. With this particular Lightning team, and this is the thing that, that makes the pressure even greater for this team, is I can look back at the other teams that they've lost to in the past to not 
to get eliminated from the playoffs. Going back to the to the cup year when they went to the cup final against Chicago, I, you can make an argument that was Chicago was a better team than they were. You know, they were they mm-hmm. were. Uh, I thought the Lightning would win that series, but you know they had and had a lead, right? At yeah, one point. and then like Bishop wasn't a hundred percent. I don't know how much that had an impact or whatever. Oh, it had um, to, sure. But so okay, but so I, if you were to you could look back, Chicago was the better team. Then the next year they lose to Pittsburgh in the Eastern Conference Finals. They the Lightning easily could have won that series. I think ultimately, though, Pittsburgh was the better team. I think it, I think Pittsburgh was just better. And last year. Washington was better than they were. They just were. This is the first year they're going to go into the playoffs, I think, where they are better than everybody. You know, and they've proven it, yep. And they've proven it, you're right. So the other three times they've been eliminated in the last three times they've been in the playoffs, they've lost to the team that won the Cup, ultimately. Um, this time around, I, I don't think you can say that there's a team out there that's better than they are. And they, they, they should be the favorite in every game, in every series they play. And and uh, and that's when you start looking at, at wow well what's if they don't win what happened what's wrong why why are they disappearing at big times or why why is their goaltending shutting down or why are, you know whatever you know so barring injury if they don't lose or if they do lose then I mean you got to ask every question right I mean when you when you have a team that's good I want for people listening to Tom to remember he said barring injury just take. Tape that one for you, folks. <laughs> it's hockey, man. Somebody's going to get hurt, by the way. It's a kiss of death. Know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. In right. fact, it happened last night, um, or at least against uh, against the Capitals last time out. All right, let's, um, let's move on quickly to uh, another favorite team that's getting ready to start their regular season, the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, am I the only one, Rick? Am I? And everybody's going to say, oh, there's Tom Jones, Debbie Downer again. Am I the only one that's thinking, like, this could, they could go the other way again this year, you know? I don't. We're not the only one. I mean, I. I mean, every. I look. I picked them to lose a hundred last year, and they won ninety. So, isn't? Couldn't that be the outlier? Couldn't the ninety could wins be. be the be the one that that we look back on and go, well, I don't know how they did that, but you know, this is a look. I think they have a very good young ball club, and it's it always comes down to you know, can the pitching hold up? I mean, right. you know, they 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 have enough players that you know they're going to score enough runs, but they are a good defensive team now and. You know, I don't know how many games Kiermaier is going to play, but Tommy Pham looks like a good outfielder. Austin Meadows is a good corner outfielder. Uh, they got guys that are interchangeable throughout the infield. I think what it's going to come down to is, you know, what, can Blake Snell follow up a Cy Young season? Are they going to get really 15 wins out of Charlie Morton? Um, you know, and then after that, yeah, you Tyler know, Glasnow's had a horrible is, yeah, spring. He's, and... He got beat up in the spring, and and it's really his first. You know, here here's the ball. You are number three, and then you're going to go with the openers again. I mean, who knows if that if that was a uh, kind of a one-year wonder. I, th- I tend to think it's going to continue to work because baseball has proven to be about matchups, and as long as guys accept that role, you know, w- what happens, though, when you have a pitcher who says, you know, I don't, I'm tired of this opener crap. I want the ball, and I want it every five days. I mean, right. you know, right now these guys are happy to be there, but they don't have a closer, you know, per se. I mean, right now it's Alvarado, I suppose. Um, that's the bullpen as a whole, late innings, I think. Um, you know, they're and look, no matter what you say, the Yankees and the Red Sox are better. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I they won over 100 games each last year, right? For as great as the Rays were, I think it was a huge surprise and they won 90. But if you say you're always looking up at a team that's going to outspend you and frankly has a lot of young talent themselves, great young talent. Right. I don't know why you'd expect to win the AL, you know, you got to hope that Maybe the other teams don't win as many games. In some years, 90 wins gets you in the playoffs, no right, matter what right. division you're in. It was just, you know, they had two teams that won over 100 in the same division. 
I just I'm looking around. I and I don't know. Again, maybe this the Debbie Downer part of me, but I could you know I could see Kiermaier playing 80 games again, and even when he oh, does sure. play, being a two you know, a 220 hitter and striking out a bazillion times and Matt Duffy getting hurt and missing 50 games and you know. getting, getting hurt, <laughs> getting healthy Stay, would be a head staying hurt. Yeah. Duffy. And, you know, yeah. still having issues at catcher and, and, you know, and Willie Adamas maybe struggles at the plate. I like, you know, oh, sure. I like Austin Meadows. He's a nice, he looks like he's, he has a chance to be a really good player, but again, you just, I don't know. I got G man. G-Man at first base. Yeah, I mean. That could, be a, that could be a nightmare, although he's done a good job in spring training. Right, right. I don't know. It's it's baseball, so who's to say? Okay, and finally, wrap it up with the uh, the team that I cover. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, did not have any money this offseason because Jason Light has you know locked up as many of, of his core players as he could before Jameis Winston and Mike Evans and guys like that got big raises. Let me ask you this. You don't have enough money to sign your draft picks right now. And you could do some things with guys' contracts and maybe cut a few more players and get there, okay? Yeah. But Gerald McCoy is sitting here counting $13 million against your cap. With what they have right now and anticipating that they're going to add defensive line help in the draft, which is a deep defensive line draft, could be their first pick. Don't know if it'll be an interior guy or, or an edge rusher. Would you would you use that $13 million and, and say, well, Gerald, we've gotten all we can out of you. Time to move on? Or do you say, we're not good enough anyway on defense? Why give away a player that can still do stuff? Look, I, I think Joe McCoy is still an effective player. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a good guy to have around your team. But I don't think he's – I don't know that he's a game changer anymore. And mm-hmm. I also don't know that he means so much to this team that if you let him go, that the rest of the team would be upset about it. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that like in a bad way. Like, no, no. You know, how could we let this guy go? But you remember, Rick, you were here when – and you Warren were Sapp, to, nine yeah, with years. Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, and they made you know, John Lynch. They made hard decisions on that guy, and I don't on those guys, and I don't know that that those went over. There are certain guys on every team that if you if if they were to go, it would really upset people. Like it, the the locker room would be hurt by it, you know. But I think Gerald McCoy is one of those guys. I mean, maybe this is you take a page out of the New England Patriots book and say, you know, maybe we have to let a guy go before he's up, before his time's up, and. And if it's gonna if it's gonna help the overall team, and so yeah, maybe I, I would think about doing it. Look, Rick, I'm looking at this team now, and I, you know, they're not as good as they were at the end of last year. And at the end of last year, they weren't that great a football team. You know, they've mm-hmm. lost some significant pieces. Although, I think Adam Humphreys was a loss. Although, uh, you know, I don't, Kawan Alexander, I don't think that loss is as big as some people made it out to be. I don't know how you feel about Kawan. Hey, Kawan was okay. I th- I thought. He, I thought he was a little overrated in, mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. I, I thought I thought the fans liked him a little bit more than I bet you even the team liked him. I mean, he seemed to me like a player who was he played purely on instinct and you know. And, I just don't think great players get out of free agency. I just yeah. don't think if you're so great that they would let you go. Right. You know. I mean, he got a huge contract, and if he didn't have the ACL, maybe they re-sign him. Yeah. I know that scared them a little bit. I mean, the fact is, you don't know when. I mean, it's four months before he's cleared to play f- football. Right. So, you know, this year might not be his best year. And are you going to give the guy that kind of guaranteed money not knowing what you're getting? And you're right. I, I, You know, I always say this. You know, you buy – when you go on free agency, you just don't buy the player. You buy all their problems too. Mm-hmm. You, you buy their holes. And if the team's going to let a guy get out there – now, you can't sign everybody. 
Right. You know, they would have loved to have kept Adam Humphreys, but what is Adam Humphreys? He's a slot receiver that they found in a tryout camp. And he's right. made, done an amazing job of, of making himself, you know, a, a ton of money. And, and you know, he, he's the next Julian Edelman or Danny Amendola, whatever. But you can find those guys. You know right. what I mean? You can find yes. a guy to come in on third down that, you know, in fact, you could draft a guy that looks just like him at Clemson, you know, right. uh, in the third round and, and away you go. So, yeah, I it's – I just I'm very leery of of guys that leave in free agency. We've done this a million times where, you know, the Bucks have won free agency. I don't know how many years in a row now. It doesn't matter. Right. New England hasn't done anything. Right. They win the Super Bowl. Right. And you know why? Because they have the best quarterback in the NFL, and that's <laughs> and what's going to come down. And the best coach. And the best coach. That's what it comes. It's what the that's what's going to come down to for. The are Bucks. you are you buying the Bruce Arians hype right now? I mean, and, and look, all the credit do do. I think it's it's great that he's an out of the box thinker, and we know that he has three African American um, coordinators on his team, and now he's added two female assistants and Moral. Let me pronounce this right if I can. Javadafar, I guess, is close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lori Locust. So. Do you think do you think there's magic left in Arians? Because you know it's funny when you think about organizations trying to emulate other organizations, right? And you go, well, follow the Patriots' plan, right? Or or follow, you know, the the Steelers' plan, or or get a coach like, you know, like the Rams have, right? Right. The Bucks go to the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> no, I, I hear what you're Is saying. Is there something weird about that? But but here's the thing: like you mentioned, with every like all those coaches you just mentioned, you know, and and you, Rick, you. This is one of the first things you you told me, you know, years ago. This is a coach quarterback league. It it's is a relationship between the coach and the quarterback. Even though Belichick's not an offensive guy, yeah, it doesn't I matter. I mean, you know, they they're they're him and Brady are obviously on the same page. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Sean McVay and and Jared Goff, and mm-hmm. um, just go on. Sean Payton and and Drew Brees. Drew Brees, yeah. You know, they brought in Bruce Arians clearly to be the the quarterback whisper. You know, yep. he, he's supposed to deal with. Jameis Winston. It's the whole reason Dirk Cutter got the job. Let's face it. I mean, Dirk got that job because of his relationship of with Jameis. Mm-hmm. And and it got to a point where apparently that relationship couldn't exist anymore. Um, or they weren't getting everything out of it. This is all about Jameis, right? I I, I mean, that's why you brought Bruce It always Harrington. has been. But, right. I mean, let, let's face it, though. I mean, when you – okay, you give up 29 points a game. What are you asking your quarterback to do each week? Yeah, like – Score up 30, we ball. have a chance. Yeah, right. We have a chance if you score 30 today. Right. Every Sunday. I think that's a big, you know, it's got to be more ask. than just yeah. the quarterback, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, no. They, I mean, they clearly have holes all over the place. But yeah, I think that. Um, I mean, Arians can fix him and then they could still lose. I mean, they, it, yeah, they could lose games 32 to 30. Yeah. yeah. 33 30. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so what you're asking me is, am I buying into it? I, I'm you, buying into you, the, you, the, you the. You think Arians is, is is the magic potion here? He and has his a chance. Staff. Of all the guys that were out there, you had really? to hire somebody who was going to make. And so unless you wanted to go the, you know, the Lincoln Do you know Riley Sean McVay route, route? Yeah, 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 like a young guy from you know that some hotshot coordinator. But Bruce Arians is, I'm, I don't look at it and go, what are they thinking? Like you look back now and you look at. Like the Lovey Smith, that was a disaster. It was just a disaster. I the, got Lovey Smith though. Yeah, I got why they did it. To he time, was the I Gerald was Ford of his it. time. No, he was yeah. the Gerald Ford of his time. Look, no matter what you say about Lovey, and I think the game, I, I think not the game had not passed him by, but I think he lost contact with who the good coaches were. Um, you know, that you either had to have played for him or coached with him in the past, and 
there was not a, a big adaptation there. But he took over a horrible team. But to me, Lovey was needed to just – the building was on fire. I mean, right. Greg Schiano, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Josh Freeman, I mean, it was, you know, the country was Toes a mess. on the line. Yeah, blowing, blowing the whistle. The whistle. <laughs> it was the funniest line ever. That's Don't the forget the blowing the whistle. That's yeah, like Herb Edwards when he, when he would say, you play to win the game. He, Part. Hello. That's the, <laughs> yeah, the, the hello, hello is the part. best part. It's the hello. That's the best part of that. Yeah, it's the not, blow of the you, whistle part was the best. Yeah. Blowing the whistle was best. Anyway. Boy, by the I, way, that guy, Kellen Winslow. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Another, another day for another. <laughs> yeah. Um, another, but yeah, I know. I think, you know, I, I just think that, that Lovey, I, look, I'm, Lovey left without saying goodbye to me, so I'm not real happy with him, but um, didn't say goodbye to anybody. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, I think that, uh, I understood that. You know what yeah, I mean? They yeah, wanted yeah. to get back to that's Buccaneer football. You know, right. they, <laughs> they were trying to bring some professionalism back in. And some building. stability. Yeah. Stability. They needed, you know, like I said, I mean, they tended the building twice. Okay. They were serving chicken Marseur, Mar- or <laughs> Marsa or whatever the hell it was. I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. It was crazy. Chicken Marsa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it was just. But, uh, okay. But, I mean, it, T- I, well, I was fine with Turk. Everybody, everybody thinks that I hated Turk. No, you weren't. Stop no. it. No, Come on, I mean, stop it. Per- personally, you can't Turk be and I, serious. Tom Jones telling me you were absolutely fine with one Dirk Cutter who did nothing but challenge your manhood the very first time he saw you. That's true, too. Um, uh, yeah, Turk and I didn't get along. I mean, he's not coming over to the house for barbecues or anything. <laughs> you know, um, Not unless you're being served. No, exactly. And I, <laughs> you're I heard, on the grill. So is this true? Like, I like you met up with him like afterwards. And yes, he, I did. And he, asked then, me, he asked and me if you if I would come and not bring you, and right. I said sure, I'd be happy to. We've split up anyway. I don't even know you anymore. Uh, and so yeah, I went to I went to dinner. We broke bread. It was uh, it was emotional uh, for him, and uh, <laughs> we talked about how he wished he had done what he threatened to do. Man, always good to. Catch up with my old radio partner, Tom Jones. You got to check him out on pointer.org. He does a media column. It's outstanding. Doing some real life stuff over there. And uh, like I said, just just does a really good job. So we got a busy weekend in sports. The Lightning are in St. Louis as they continue their march towards a possible record season. We've got March Madness as well. Of course, the NCAA basketball tournament all weekend long. And then Valspar, tremendous golf tournament out here at Innisbrook. So... Uh, it's going to be a great weekend of weather. The Rays' final weekend of spring training. We're almost ready for opening day. Along those lines, coming up on Monday, we're going to talk to Rays radio pre- and post-game host, Neil Solons. And remember, folks, if you have a business you'd like to advertise or sponsor with us, you can do that. We've got lots of ways you can do it. Here's what you want for information. Just contact us on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address, is R. Stroud at TampaBay.com. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.